Good morning. Uh, it's been a very uh, uh, full and, and rich morning. Uh, we could probably almost uh, get by without a sermon, but you know and I know that's not happening. So um, why even fantasize about such things, right? Um, uh, I, I do want to kind of give you a heads up before I want to uh, pray over this message. But um, in two Sundays, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to be having kind of a special service here uh, and kind of a special presentation uh, on that uh, morning, you're, you're going to get to hear uh, about five minutes from um, about seven or eight different of our, of our leaders that are going to talk about what they're thankful for. And I think it's going to be a really cool service to kind of end Thanksgiving weekend on. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. Um, there is uh, a lot of scripture in today's message. Uh, I'm not apologizing for that, obviously. Um, just kind of making you aware. And they're all going to be on the screen for you today. Um, so every, every one of the scriptures will be on there. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. All right, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for uh, today, um, and uh, we want to thank you for your freedom in Christ. Uh, I think a lot of times we uh, misunderstand it or, or take it for granted, but um, today we just want our hearts to well up with gratitude for the freedom we have in you. We thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. It was uh, the first day of college and the dean of students uh, brought all the freshman uh, students in and was pointing out uh, some of the rules of the, of the college and said, listen, no uh, female, the female dor dormitory is going to be out of bounds for all males. Male dormitory is going to be out of bounds for all females. Anybody caught breaking this rule, uh, the first time it's going to be a $20 fine. Uh, the second time is going to be a $60 fine, and the third time is going to be a $180 fine. So really trying to ratchet it up, stay out of each other's dorms. That was the rule of this college. Is there any questions? And one kind of smart-alecky kid in the back, there's always one, you know, raised his hand in the back and said, well, how much would it be for a season pass if I just, you know, you know. all right? So like, here's, here's where I want to kind of start us out today, uh, and I think this is a human nature thing we kind of bristle at law, right? Most of us don't really like to be, have laws Im imposed on us, and we get that there are some laws that are for our, our benefit and our health and our well-being and all of that, but we like our freedom, right? So kids, when school started this past year and you had been able to stay up until nine o'clock and your parents informed you that you were now going to bed at eight o'clock, it bugs you. You don't like that. You understand it's for your good. You understand that it's going to help you in school, but you like staying up until nine. When your boss implements a new rule about start time and the punishments that come with start time, uh, man, everybody just kind of bristles at it and it bugs us. When Congress passes a new law, need I say more? It bugs us, all right? All right? It, new laws tend to, to bug us. And today we're talking about this idea of God, we want to thank you for your freedom. We want to thank you for your freedom. And we understand this on a patriotic level, right? Because we live in a free country. So we understand the idea and the importance of freedom. Just as a side note, yesterday was Veterans Day. How many veterans in our house today? All right. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution to our, to our freedom. And, and listen, this is just kind of how our country is set up and established to, to a large extent that we have this thing in our country called the separation of powers, right? A lot of countries don't have separation of power, but, but we do, which is, which is uh, the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. And they all kind of play a part in passing, implementing, and executing laws. And sometimes, I don't know about you, 
But sometimes it bugs us how long it takes things to get done and how long it takes them to pass laws. We're designed for that because our country, we love our freedom. And so from the very beginning, we wanted to establish and kind of make it difficult to pass laws that restrict freedom. Now, so we understand this on a patriotic level, but there's a whole nother spiritual level to this in which we are walking in freedom. The New Testament word for freedom is eleutheria. And let me put the definition on the screen for you. Um, this is the biblical definition of freedom. Freedom is presented as a distinctive blessing in the economy of grace, which in contrast with the Old Testament economy is, repre- economy is represented as including inden- independence from legal restrictions and rules of life. All right, so let me unpack that just a little bit. So one of the greatest questions anybody can ever ask is how do I get right with God? And for years and years and years, people's, the, the people's understanding of that was the way that you get right with God is by following the law to the, to the best of your ability. Study the law, know the law, love the law, follow the law, and then kind of present yourself to God and kind of hope for the best. But the Bible says that nobody could do that because all have sinned and fall short. All have sinned and fall short. And then Jesus came, and you know what they said about Jesus? They said that he was the word or he was the law become flesh. He was all of that Old Testament law in kind of one human being. He was the law become flesh, and he shows us what perfect obedience to the law looks like. Perfect compliance to the law. Jesus is a living, breathing example for us of the law and the power of the law and what the law looks like. And so you know what Martin Luther said one time? Martin Luther said, I've shared this with you probably six or seven times through the years. He talked about the great exchange of Christianity that the great exchange of Christianity teaches that I give Jesus all of my sin, right? I give Jesus all of my sin, and he pays for that sin on the cross, and Jesus gives me all of his righteousness, all of his perfection, all of his perfect compliance to the law, and if you can get a deal better than that anywhere, I'd like to hear about it. That's incredible that through faith, we give Jesus all of our sin. He pays it on the cross. He gives us his righteousness, his perfection, and his right standing with God. So in Jesus, we don't have to walk around with all this anxiety about have I done enough? Have I obeyed enough? Have I followed the law perfectly enough? That the Bible teaches, and this is good news, it's better than you're responding, and that's okay, but Jesus makes me right by his grace. It is by grace and through his love and through faith that he declares us to be right. I give him sin, he gives me his righteousness, and he declares us righteous and perfect and good. Through faith by decree, he says you're good. You are free. You are free in Christ Jesus from the law. And so one of the things that Jesus said when he came was he said, he invited people. He said, hey, follow me. Follow me. A very, very simple thing Jesus used to say. He said, follow me. You're no longer following the law for your right standing with God. You are following me. And so Jesus invites us into this relationship where we are following him. And he is awesome to follow. Because in him we find grace upon grace upon grace. He is our example 
That you want to know what the right thing is to do? Look to Jesus. He is our teacher. You want to know what the right thing to do is? Listen and study Jesus. He is our power. You don't feel like you can do this on your own? You are absolutely correct. He gives us his power and his strength. He is our forgiver when we fall short. Our faith becomes all about him. So our faith becomes all about Jesus, knowing him, following him, loving him, obeying him, all that stuff. And this is how Paul said it. He said, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. And so you might be tempted to say, Following the law or following Jesus, what really is the difference? It seems like a, a, a difference, really, a, a distinction without a point. What is the difference? Oh, there are, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because there are tons of differences, right? The law makes me uncertain. Have I obeyed enough? Have I been good enough? Jesus gives me confidence because I know he's been good enough. So Jesus gives me confidence. The law makes me uncertain. The law can make me prideful. Look at how good I've been. Look at how many laws I've obeyed. When the Bible says no one is righteous, no, not one, Jesus helps me be humble as I declare not my goodness but his. The law makes me aware of God's standard for righteousness, and that's a good thing. The Bible says that's one of the good things of laws. It makes us aware of God's standard of righteousness. But Jesus gives me a real-life, breathing example of that righteousness, and that's better. The law is complicated, has anybody ever read Leviticus? Right? It's the same thing for everybody, just so you know, with those Bible reading plans. So I'm going to read the Bible in every year. Genesis, awesome. You're, you're working through it. Exodus, incredible. And then, like, right, right around the spring, right around the spring, you hit Leviticus. You're like, I think I'm going to skip to Jesus. Right? The law is complicated. Following Jesus isn't easy, but it's simple. The law tends to focus on my efforts and what I do. Jesus helps me to focus on his effort and what he has done. So here is the case I'm trying to make as we work through all this. In Jesus, there is great freedom. Freedom from the law. That grace always brings freedom. Freedom from uncertainty, freedom from pride, freedom from complexity, freedom from the law, freedom from all that stuff. So with all that being laid, open your Bibles. We're going to be in two today, Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians 10. Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians 10, we're going to be in Galatians first because there are kind of two false teachings, right? Now that we've understood that by grace we are free, there are two false teachings that the Apostle Paul wanted to address in the early church. And one of the things that was happening in the city of Galatia, where, where Paul wrote the book of Galatians 2, was that there was a teaching that was finding its way into the church that in order to be saved, Jesus was not enough. That in order for you to be saved, grace was not enough. In order for you to be saved, they were teaching you needed to be circumcised and you needed to become Jewish. That essentially you needed, you needed to become a, a Jew. And the early church fought this a lot. So Paul writes the Galatian church, the church in Galatia, to remind them of grace and to remind them of freedom. This, this is quite a text, all right? You'll, you'll see it in a moment. This is quite a text that Paul writes as he's kind of battling this idea that you are not saved by grace alone. You are saved by Jesus plus, 
That was the teaching. Jesus plus circumcision. Yeah, Jesus' grace is good, but you better be circumcised. That was the false teaching he's addressing. So here it is uh, in Galatians 5. It's on the screen for you too. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I taught Paul tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Tell us what you really think, Paul. Right? Don't, don't hold back. Right? Again, I declare to you, uh, to declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith, by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through, the whole, works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that he will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, they will pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Can you say that in church? Paul thought you could, right? He's ticked off here, right? And here's false teaching that he's battling, number one. The false teaching is you are not completely saved by Jesus. Thereby, you are not really free. False teaching. It was, in, 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 that, days, in that, that day and time, it was you need to be circumcised. It is Jesus saves plus. Now let me tell you how this can play out today. People will say, yes, Jesus went to the cross. Yes, he died for our sins. But he did that like for a certain type of person. Right? He did that for good, nice church people who follow and obey all the rules. But did you hear what Paul says? Some people are always bent on being justified by the law, justified by their behavior, justified by their obedience to earn their salvation through the law. So the false teaching is, man, if you want to be saved... Put your faith in Jesus, but you better make sure you keep the law as well. If you struggle, if you commit sin, if you look a certain way, grace is not really for you. This is not the gospel. It is not. There is not freedom in that teaching. The gospel is not, I do, so Jesus does. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not, I am a good person. I follow the law. I'm nice to my neighbors. So Jesus, save me. Paul says, if you want to be saved through obedience, you are obligated to the whole law. That is not the gospel. The gospel is, Jesus did, so I. Right? We reverse it. A lot of times we think the gospel is, I do, so Jesus does. I obey, so Jesus saves. That is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus did, so I. Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus took my place. So I love him, and I serve him, and I follow him, and yes, I obey him because I love him. I'm, I'm preaching today. I know I'm getting a little riled. This message means so much to me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So let me give you a gauge for where we all stand on this, all right? Just a, a, a phantom kind of scenario. I want you to imagine that you're brought, brought into court, right? That, that you, you have to go to court, and they are accepting testimony from you about, to make the case about why you are a Christian. The gauge for this is what would your testimony be? If the, are you a Christian? Are you not a Christian? What would your gauge be? Would it be, I go to church every week, I give like 10% of my income, the average person only gives like 2%, I read my Bible every day, I'm in the small group. What would your testimony be? Or to use Paul's word, what would your boasting be? Where would your boasting be? Would your boasting be in what you have done or would your boasting be in what Christ Jesus has done for you? Right, that's the gauge. Are you a Christian or not? Let me tell you about Jesus. He loves me and he saved me and he went to the cross for me. He died for me and there's freedom in that. Now let's pause here just for a moment because I get, I've preached on this enough that I get we are uncomfortable with freedom. Uh, we're, 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 we are uncomfortable with it because we believe the best way to control people is through rules. And guess what? The best way to control people is through rules. Are there any parents in the house? Tell me if this sounds familiar at all. You're getting ready to take your kids or your grandkids to the store. They're, let's say, five or six. That's my experience, so we'll just go with that. That's five or six. We, you get down on their level, we are going to Kroger for groceries. If you'll ride in the cart, if you don't argue, if you behave, I will take you to the bakery and get you a cookie. I will. If you don't ride in the cart, is this just me, right? <laughs> now, this can't be just me, right? Like, that's your problem, Higgs. No, this can't be just me. If you obey, then I will. Right? And it is just true. Rules are the best way to control people. It is the best way to control young children. And sometimes with young children, they just need to be controlled. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't come here to control you. And by the way, if Jesus wanted to control you, you know what he would do? He'd control you. He'd put on his revelation suit with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth, and he would exert his will. If Jesus wanted to control you, he would control you. Jesus didn't come to control you. He came to offer you a relationship. And a relationship is not, is, is not best maintained through rules and through law. And he married people in the house. Relationships are best maintained through love-based expressions. And by the way, God is all about this. For God so loved the world that he gave Love-based expression. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus, like God has done his part on this. It is, he's come for relationship. He's doing love-based expressions. He calls us to do the same thing. So let me just kind of explain this through the, the marriage illustration. So like, if, if in your marriage you have a bunch of rules for your spouse, on Monday you will vacuum, it's a rule. On Tuesday, you will do vacuuming. It's a rule. On Wednesday, you will do this. On Thursday, you will do this. Your marriage, I'm going to guess, has a certain feel to it. Right? If you get a bunch of... That got really tense. I've, 
I feel like maybe we need to do a marriage series next. <laughs> maybe we'll scrap Christmas and do a marriage series, right? If, that, if that's your marriage, your marriage has a certain feel to it. But if in your marriage, if you're filled with these love-based expressions, where you're just loving your spouse and you're serving them and they're serving you, that has a whole different feel to it. Can I remind you what the Apostle Paul said? It's on the screen for you. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So God's done this for us. He invites us into a relationship and it needs to be our mindset that we do it back. We are invited into this relationship with Jesus based on faith, that we love him, we follow him, we believe in him, and that faith expresses itself in love. And this leads me to the second false teaching. The first false teaching is like, Jesus is not enough. And right, I hope I've dissected that. That's, that's uh, Jesus is enough. That, 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 that's the first false teaching. The second false teaching that existed in the first century was since you are free and since you are saved by grace, you can now live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do, right? And that's the, the second kind of false teaching. And I think that we get that this is wrong just based on the commands of Jesus, that if you have a relationship with Jesus and you love him and you follow him and you respect him, like when he commands and when he tells us how to live, we are, we're, we're going to want to do that. But there's this whole other kind of gray area where Jesus doesn't immediately speak to it and he doesn't immediately talk about it. He doesn't have a lot of things to say about it or at least they're not recorded. And there's a gray area. So what do you do with that? And I think as Americans, we also get this, you can't just live however you want to live in a free nation. I think we get this, that we have this thing uh, called freedom of speech where um, you, can, you can kind of say whatever you want to say and you're not going to go to prison um, I'm not going to go to prison for anything that I say this morning, but listen, it, and you know this, you don't just say whatever you want to say to anyone that you want to say it to. You dream about that. <laughs> you think about it. You fantasize about it, like I do, but you don't do that, right? You don't do that with your kids. You don't say whatever you want to say to your kids, right? Um, you, you, don't, you don't with your spouse, right? Although based on how you reacted earlier, maybe some of you do, I don't know. But let me rephrase. You shouldn't be doing that with your spouse either, right? Um, with your coworkers, you, you, you have freedom to say whatever you want to say, but that freedom is like restrained by your love and your care and your compassion for others. This is exactly Paul's point to the, to the Corinthian church, right? We're going to go over to uh, now the Corinthian passage, uh, that, that in, the, in, this, uh, in this church, there's a little bit of a different issue happening. That in, that in that culture, there were a lot of idols, a lot of false gods, and a lot of people would sacrifice, and, um, sacrifice animals to those false gods. And then that meat, the leftover meat from the sacrifice, would be given to the market and it would be sold in the marketplace. And, and so there, a great debate broke out among the Christians about, like, is it okay for a Christian to eat that meat? to buy that at the market. I've got a big barbecue coming up. Can I buy like meat sacrificed to a false god? And it was very, very divisive. Some felt, hey, you're free in Christ. Barbecue away, right? Just make sure it tastes good. That's the only restriction, right? Um, barbecue away. Others were saying, no, it's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. And it became divisive enough that Paul has to address how freedom works in this context. So let me so show you this. He says, therefore, my dear friends, Flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. 
Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean that food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, and I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both, both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is becoming super clear, right? <laughs> I feel like he's kind of made both arguments. We'll talk about that in a minute, all right? If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this is offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours, for why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal of Thanksgiving, why am I being denounced because of something I thank God for? So, Paul, what's the point? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So, let me give you an example here, and then we'll kind of get into what Paul is teaching here. I want you to imagine that the Illinois Assembly tomorrow, I've used this with you before, but I, I think it works. The Illinois Assembly tomorrow passes a law that the new speed limit for the state of Illinois is 100 miles an hour. Woohoo! right? 100 miles an hour. They, they pass it tomorrow. You're free, you're free to go 100 miles an hour. Now, I know about a lot of you that you're going to go 105 <laughs> because we were all taught that at some point, right? That you can go five over without uh, getting pulled over. But all right, so... You're, you're, the law allows you now to go 100 miles an hour. Now, in a lot of places, you are going to go 100 miles an hour because the law says you can. Let me tell you where you are not going to go 100 miles an hour. You are not going to go 100 miles an hour in the cul-de-sac where your kids play with their friends. You're not going to go 100 miles an hour. Even though the law says you can, you're not going to go where your nieces and your nephews or your grandkids play. You're, you're not going to go 100 miles an hour where you know that your wife tends to jog. Why? The law says you can. Freedom says you can. You're not going to go that fast because of relationship. Relationship restrains you. And we tend to ask a lot, how far can I go before I technically break the law? And that is a law question. When you ask a relationship question, which Jesus has invited us into, when you ask a relationship question, it's a different question. Instead of how far can I go, it's what does this do to the relationship that I want and need to have? And I want to remind you again, Jesus is inviting you into a relationship. If he wanted to control you, he would. And so our relationship with him 
and our relationship with others, the relationships restrain our freedom. And this is Paul's exact point to the Corinthian church. He says, you, you've gotten out of whack on this. It's like, what am I able to do according to the law? He says, no, you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking what is good for the relationship. And so let me show you a couple kind of, Paul says, when you have the right mindset, there's some automatic restraints that come into your freedom. And I'm going to show you a couple of these. One is the temptation and idolatry restraint. Temptation and idolatry restraint. Now you notice right at the beginning of the passage, he says, flee, therefore, flee from idolatry. And right before this, he is going through Israel's history. And he's sharing a series of stories where Israel ended up uh, worshiping a false god or in a position where they're tempted to do something that they shouldn't be doing. And Paul uses this as a warning. He's saying, listen, church, in your freedom, don't get so close to dangerous things that you put yourself in a position to be tempted or do something that you end up regretting or give yourself over to a lesser God like sex or money or power or advancement that distracts you from your relationship with Jesus. So relationship with Jesus is our most important thing. So in our freedom, even though the law allows it, in our freedom, we're not going to get close to things that can distract us from that because our relationship with God is so important. So let, let me give you a few examples. So movies. There are some movies, yeah, you can technically go to them, but there are some movies maybe you shouldn't. There are certain restaurants or bars, you can go to them, but maybe you, and this is just you or me, it's a very personal thing, maybe you shouldn't. There are some relationships that you can have, yet you're allowed to have them, but maybe you shouldn't because the temptation is too great and the stakes are too high. I used to fight this in youth ministry a lot of how far can I go and still go to heaven? That's a law question. The relationship question is where is Jesus leading me? What does Jesus want for me? Because I believe he is leading me to life. So there's a temptation and idolatry restraint. All right, there's a support restraint or a support test. He uses communion as an example. We're about to participate in communion in a, in a few minutes, right? That's my little nod to you that I'm almost done. Because <laughs> some of you are like, this is a long sermon. All right? Yeah, I, I'm almost done. All right? The support test, he uses communion. That we take communion here every week. And part of that communion is we are participating in the body and the blood of Jesus, that we are identifying that he is our Lord, he is our Savior, and we are following him. So he uses that as the opening, opening example. Then he moves over to this food sacrifice to idols, and he says, listen, when you think about buying food sacrifice to idols, yeah, you can technically do it, but is that something you want to support? Because you're being a participant and what that food was sacrificed to. So he says, is that something you want to support? Is that something you want to give your money to? Is that something you want to be a part of? And I think this is a great, great question for Christians to wrestle through. And it's super personal. But when you're thinking about what you're giving your money to and what you're giving your time to, yeah, freedom says you can, but just think through, is this really an organization? Is this really a person? Is this really a value that I want to support with my time, money, energy, and money? Is this something that, that I need to be a part of? And listen, I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'd be a terrible one. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm asking you to just think about it. Think about, are, is what I'm giving my time, money, and energy to, is that something that I feel like I should be supporting? I'll give you one example from our life. So we used to love this show on TV. And I'm not going to tell you um, what the show is because 
I don't want to get email later, honestly. But because um, it's, it's a very popular show. We used to watch a show on TV. They replaced one of the hosts. And they replaced this host with someone that Cheryl and I don't have a ton of respect to. They, they've done some things we disagree with. And what we did in that instance was we just stopped watching that show. We, we're like, we just don't want to support this. Um, I, I know people that have stopped going to certain restaurants. A lot of other Christians go to that restaurant, and that's good and fine. But I know people that have stopped going to certain restaurants because it's just like maybe they brought in gambling machines or something going on in that restaurant that they just don't feel like they want to support. I know people that have stopped listening to certain bands, stopped going to certain movies, stopped supporting certain companies. And listen, this isn't boycotting. Boycotting is an organized approach to try to get a, a desired outcome. This isn't boycotting. This is intimate, worshipful, personal decision-making. Right? And you can't take your, your, your thing that you feel a conviction about when it's involving freedom and place that on somebody else. That's why I'm not telling you the names of these restaurants, movies, or whatever. Because that's not the important thing. The, the important thing is that every Christian kind of think through this. What am I supporting with my dollars? What am I supporting with my time? And do I really need to be doing that? All right? The love for others restraint. This is in verses 23 through 31. It says, my freedom in Christ the great grace I have been shown, it changes the way I see people. That I understand, this is easy for me to understand, that Christ loves me and he has died for me. What is harder for me to remember and harder for me to understand is looking at the person next to me and say, Christ loves them too. Or looking at the person that I disagree with and say, Christ loves them too. He died for them as well. And so, the way Jesus loves them changes the way I love them. I try to love them the way Jesus loves them. And so this was a sharply debated issue over food sacrifice to idols. And Paul says, listen, I think this is powerful. Everything is permissible. Am I allowed? Well, yeah, Paul says you're allowed, but not everything is beneficial. So here's what Paul says. Stop thinking so much about yourself and start thinking about others. If this is negatively impacting someone, someone else's conscience, or they just think this is wrong, don't, here's what Paul is teaching. Don't put them in a weird position where they have a conviction, this is wrong. I don't know how a Christian could ever do this, and maybe they're wrong about it, but they have this core conviction. Don't like go out to a meal with them and put them in a weird position by saying, hey, I'll take food sacrifice to idols, go ahead and make mine a double portion. Right? You're putting them in a weird position, and honestly, it's not very uh, loving at, at all. Um, and, and Paul says, listen, if this is not an issue, and the people you spend time with and your family and you're all on the same page with this, Paul's attitude about it is eat away, have a barbecue, extra sauce on the side. This is not an issue. But if you know somebody has a problem, do not be loving. Be considerate. Don't put them in a weird position where it's like, I don't know how a Christian could do this, and then you're doing it right in front of them. Um, if you're out together, here's what Paul is teaching. Don't make things weird. Because of your freedom, don't, don't make things weird. Don't put others in a position. So like one easy example, and now I'll kind of go into a harder one. One easy example of this is social drinking. Right? This is an issue that divides a lot of Christians. The Bible talks about not getting drunk, but I know a lot of Christians through the years that social drinking for a Christian, it really bothers them. 
It rocks their conscience. And this is not what this sermon is about at all. But if you were to go out with a person that you know their conscience is rocked by this and you know they don't like this and they have this attitude of, I don't know how a Christian could do this and you know they have really strong opinions on it, don't go out with them and like order a beer. Be considerate of them. Be thoughtful of them because you know this issue bothers them. Now, the harder way to apply this is politics. All right? Because Thanksgiving is coming right around the corner. All right? And you're going to all be sitting around a table, and you know people that have taken a very, very hard stance on politics. And, they, and here's how you can know they've taken a hard stance on politics. They will say, I don't know how any Christian could ever vote for a Republican. Or I don't know how any Christian could ever vote for a Democrat. And you are said Republican or you are said Democrat, and you hear them saying this, and, and one way that you could handle it is say, well, let's giddy up. It's Thanksgiving. We're going to skip the nap, and we're going to fight about politics. Or we could follow Paul's advice and be considerate. Show consideration that you know they feel strongly about this, and so we're not going to put them in a weird, uh, defensive uh, position. So we're just going to kind of leave politics off the table. I know it's nearly impossible these days. Like, I'm, just not, I'm just going to, what Paul is teaching is consideration. And ultimately what Paul teaches is we are free in Christ. We are free in Christ. Free from the law, free from all of that, but our freedom is self-restrained by our love for Jesus and our love for others. That's the sermon in a sentence. It took me 40 minutes to say that. I'm sorry. I should have just led with that, right? That we are free in Christ, but it is self-restrained. And you know why it's self-restrained? And you know why this whole thing comes into play? Paul says it's the glory of God. That we want Jesus to be known, worshipped, and we don't want our freedom getting in the way of anybody coming to Jesus. So it's self-restrained. And so today, man, I just wanted to thank God for his freedom. That aren't you grateful for grace? Aren't you grateful for freedom? Aren't you grateful that that stuff is found uh, in Jesus? But it's that, it's that sense of gratitude and it's that sense of thankfulness that says, man, because of my love for Jesus, because of my love for others, yeah, I can do some things. I can see certain movies. I can go to certain, I, I, I can technically do that. But I know for me that's a temptation or I know for the person I love that's a, a stumbling block and so I'm gonna restrain it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. We thank you for his freedom. Um, as Christians, we want to um, be able to walk out of here um, knowing that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, that he has done the work, that he has taken my place. It is his relationship with God, that perfect relationship that he transfers to me, that, that uh uh, sinless nature that he gives to me. And so I get to walk in grace and I get to walk in freedom. But I understand as a believer, I don't get to just do and say and behave any way that I want. My love for Jesus and my love for others restrains me. Help us to manage this well. It is really, really hard. It's really, really hard to walk in freedom and to not have that bleed over into, I guess I can live however I want to live because we know love, we know that love makes that an untrue thing. 
that because of love, I can't just do whatever I want to do. So we thank you for Jesus. Help us to love him better and better. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand? We're going to offer a song of invitation. And uh, if uh, you're a believer and uh, you have a prayer request or prayer need, um, we'd love to pray with you. If, if you're not a believer, we'd still love to pray with you, but we, we'd also love to have a conversation with you about Jesus and the freedom that he brings. So you can come forward uh, as we sing this song together. You were the word at the beginning, one with God.